Welcome to Hmong American Christian Podcast. Raising the experiences, stories, and faith perspectives of Hmong Americans seeking deeper integration of ethnic identity and Christian faith. We're your hosts, Dur Lor, Paul Kong, and Second Yang. Thanks for joining us. Well, today's episode, we're going to be sharing some of our personal and also vulnerable reflections as second-gen Hmong Americans in the Hmong American churches. So I will uh, first say that today, Paul and Second will be primarily sharing, uh, and I'll kind of be acting more as the host. So again, I want to thank you guys ahead of time for your vulnerability. We know that... um, you know, there, there are positive and negatives. There are, there are all sorts of varied experiences uh, that the two of you have had since you've spent most, if not all of your lives in among American church contexts, maybe not in most recent years. Um, but just, we just want to acknowledge that uh, right up front, that this can be a vulnerable conversation, uh, both for us and for the listeners. Also, we want to uh, acknowledge and appreciate um, the first-gen church, that we we acknowledge that we stand on the shoulders of first-generation Hmong American churches and, and leaders. Um, and we know that it has not been a, an easy journey for those who have come before us. We know that there has been so much uh, trauma in history and loss that they have endured, um, even as they have remained faithful to, to Jesus. Um, so we are uh, indebted to to their service to God um, in in creating a place of ministry and church home for us. But with that, let's start with some of the uh, the positive ways, you guys, I'm curious to hear the positive ways that the Hmong American churches um, have had, had a positive impact on you, the ways that the Hmong American church context have been a gift for you. So um, I'm just, I'm looking at Paul. So Paul, I'll start with you. So Paul, as you've spent the majority of, of your, your life growing up in the Hmong American church context, uh, how has this experience, whether it's it was CMA or another denomination, if you would specify, how has it been a, a positive impact to you? You know, when I think about the Hmong church, my first memory are just really positive memories. I remember growing up around, I, I must have been the age of like four or five and running around with other Hmong kids. My dad was helping um, build uh, St. Paul Hmong Lions Church as creating the framework and the, the drawings for for the church. Yeah. I remember running and digging um, the fields. Um, we had to chop trees down to create mm. our own our own church. And I, oh. I, um, I, I just remember having so many positive memories of seeing the community gather together. And um, I think that's one thing that, I think second that we have overlapping affirmations is that the Hmong church growing up, I just saw how it brought community together in so in different ways mm-hmm. community was a huge aspect of that and i don't know if, if second wanted to add to that or not yeah for for me we didn't start going to church until i was a senior in high school and mm-hmm. so i always craved that community from people who looked like me understood mm-hmm. my context had the same struggles i did so when we put our church together in indiana and i started um seeing other Hmong people and that just brought a sense of um, just acceptance, um, understanding. It brought um, a lot of joy into my life. 
And what really capped it off was my first year going to Hlu, uh, Hlu 97 in Carlinville, Illinois. Hlu 97. Yeah, right. 97. Wow, so it back. Dating, dating myself here. Yeah. <laughs> but just seeing Hmong people, young people all across the nation come together mm-hmm. and all these Hmong people who looked like me, who who lived life um, in a predominantly you know white context and who were going through the things I was going through. It just felt so uh, amazing just to be among my peers. Mm-hmm. And I never had that, you know, growing up in Indiana, there are very, very few Hmong people. I mean, very few minorities just in general. And so right. just having to experience that, that, that sense of community just brought me home. Like, I felt like I felt like I was finally at a place where I could just be myself. Wow. And it, it you only waited for a couple of decades of yeah. your life, right? Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. It's crazy to think about. I mean, we visited Minnesota, you know, when I was younger and things like that. But just that. But it was always visiting. It was always like, you know, we come here, we go back, we come, we temporary. go back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very quick. And so but church was a place where it was like every Sunday there was a community. Every week we were getting together and doing things. So it just brought a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, stability to my life at that time, which was much needed. Totally. I'll, I'll pitch in to this part too on communities. So I didn't grow up in the Hmong church, but my wife did. And we very frequently um, talk about just how, how much of a gift that was for, for my wife, mm-hmm. Alice. And so she has lifelong friends from this community to this day where they've journeyed, you know, all the way from elementary to middle school and, and then college and looking back, like, I don't have that. And but and so I'm able to see how that is such a mm-hmm. unique gift for someone like my wife who did grow up. Um, and, and again, in, in an ethnic-specific church, that tends to be where we feel safer with each other because, you know, we feel other ways that we're marginalized out there. And so it, these, these ethnic-specific churches can uh, really cultivate these, like, really tight communities and, and relationships. Sure, I agree with you. I was going to speak on that too, the idea of belonging um, and creating, like, it's, it's under the, the bridge uh, umbrella of community, but I remember that going to school and being a Hmong Christian, right? I was a minority of the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said that last time. And it felt really, uh, if, if I felt like I was out of place. Right. But every time I went to the Hmong church, mm-hmm. there's people there who I didn't have to explain things to. They were mm-hmm. going through the same things I was going through. They understood the challenges, and we just built community. And I just felt belong like that. If as a Hmong person, that was my safe space to belong somewhere, and um, where I didn't have to question myself. Like, mm-hmm. am, am I normal? You know. Exactly. So so that was um, so that's been a gift for me. The Hmong church has been a gift for me in that area growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then with my Yang family, we're a small uh, family. So my dad has uh, four brothers and a sister, and so come, some of his brothers live out of state. And so it was we didn't really have that family, a strong family dynamic, just mm-hmm. because of you know uh, geographically we're separated. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's cousins, the other Yangs uh, from the other grandfather, they were in France, so we didn't really get to know them. I met them when I was a I think a sophomore in high school. They visited America. Mm-hmm. So church gave me this sense of family and this sense of, um, you know, outside of my clan, there was a group that I could really resonate with and really get along with and and, and befriend. And so that made me feel more at home, made me feel like um, more accepted, made me feel, you know, like you guys are saying, safe, you know. And and, the, and that's something that I always cherish about the Hmong church. Yeah. yeah, and to speak into that a little bit more too is that um, 
Hmong churches are are partly clan oriented, right? Yeah. Like this is oh, that's like a lot of legals of that church, a lot of yings, a lot of kongs, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I what I noticed about um, I remember one of my pastors said this too was that we are now saying Yesu, you know, instead of like that. And so I thought that was really interesting. He brought that up, like. He's trying. Oh, okay. He's he's, he's, he's trying to say that we are a clan. Sing. Yes. Yeah, sing. Sing Yesu. Sing Yesu. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. like Mong Kong uh, or something like that. And yeah. so um, that was really interesting. And so, you know, usually our 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 family clan is like you know our mm-hmm. immediate clan, a last name. Mm-hmm. But I did feel that there's like lead people like lead clans, you know, that I just felt like was my family. And so I I feel like at the mm-hmm. church. Like clan became um, wasn't as big of a deal mm-hmm. because we became like one, yeah. and so um, so that was kind of pretty unique to see and to experience that and yeah. um, develop that family kind of. Yeah, even yeah, even Hmong dialect. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm uh, Hmong Da, and so I'm white Hmong, and I didn't know or really under you know have many experiences with with green dialect. Mm-hmm. We had one family um, in Indiana that I remember growing up. And I used to always think like, oh, maybe that was just like something their family was kind of doing, you know, because mm-hmm. my parents didn't mm-hmm. sit us down and explain to us like, oh, there's, you know, there's different dialects, you know. Right. So I just remember like this friend just thinking, oh, okay, like maybe their family just has a different way of talking, you know, whatever it is. But I didn't think it was like a different dialect. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into the Hmong church that I started seeing like, oh, wow, there's like a large um, uh, group here that I was unaware of. Because, um, you know, Hmong people, like, mm-hmm. we stay, with, even within our clan and yeah, our dialect, we only speak within our dialect, too. Like, it's yes. hard to go outside of it, you know. <laughs> and even when we marry, you know, when our when the women come into our clan, like, they have to convert to, like, white dialect, you know. So you, mm-hmm. you rarely hear it. And my wife is green dialect, so even dating her, and we have some funny stories. But, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just mm-hmm. that sense of community, you know. It, it, yeah. The church, and even from what my, my uh, parents told me, you know, back in Laos, there wasn't that a lot of intermixing. Even my mom told me stories that she didn't know about. She never heard the green dialect until her wow. adult years too. Wow. So you know, just very mm-hmm. separated because of, you know how, how Laos is and everything like that. But yeah. um, so the church has really brought Hmong people together in, in yeah. this capacity. You know, dialect clans. You know, whatever it. So it's kind of, kind of this this cool, um, you know, kind of this cool experiment that's kind of going on <laughs> too. You know, that is so different. Than what it was in Laos to even in America now. What I especially love about what you guys are sharing is how the gospel is still allowing Hmong people to to keep the strong family and communal aspect, but then also to like broaden that and to give it new shape <laughs> to, to the point of what, what Paul you're saying, where it's no longer just about the clan, but mm-hmm. it's it goes further than that. And I think that that is pretty subversive and pretty new to Hmong communities. Oh, yeah. Where my family, being uh, majority non-Christian, and I've only, you know, in my in my mind, Hmong gatherings always meant lore gatherings, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, obviously, we have very similar needs: the need to, to 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 be together when one of our relatives passes away. You know, we we do a, a collection or, or an offering, if you will. For them as well, so there's similar like social needs that we have to to meet and uh, rely on each other with, um, but it all kind of stays within the the, the lower mm-hmm. clan. And so what you guys are sharing is like, wow, God is calling Hmong people to keep that, but go beyond that as well. And I just yeah. think that that's 
that really gets at the heart of kind of what we're trying to explore in this podcast. Right, right. Yeah, and and in that keeping that, even with Hmong people, like we we just do hospitality so great. We're that's probably one of the main thing I think people recognize right away with Hmong people is just our sense of hospitality. When you come into a Hmong person's home, mm-hmm. they're gonna feed you. They're gonna they're gonna give you a place to stay <laughs> to sleep. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, even Parker was joking. Yeah. Uh, Parker, my youngest daughter, was was telling us the other day when she was over at uh, Durr's house that uh, Alice was offering her pizza and Parker was full, but she didn't know how to say no. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but Alice just kept offering her pizza and Parker was like, you know, so we have these, um, we have these, uh, um, the ways that we were raised that we continue to live out from what our parents taught us. And we, we just, that's a part of us, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the offering water, the, the greeting each other, the holding hands, the, you know, even the Hmong language. I, I love, uh, you know, our listeners know this, but, you know, for listeners that aren't um, familiar with Hmong people, we, mm-hmm. even our language and our honorifics that we use, we know that this uncle is on my dad's side because, you know, it's Zilaw or Zinza. And then we have mm-hmm. this uncle on my mom's side, we call mm-hmm. Dalo, you know, so you know right away when I say, hey, you know, Dacha, uh, like, it's like, you know, automatically, oh, this is on my mom's side, you know, yeah. or we yeah. say po, and then we, oh, it's my mom's side. Even our grandparents, you know, thai, yeah. po, you know, like, po right. is your, your dad's side, thai is your, Very specific. it's really specific, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I know other cultures use honorifics too, but I, I don't know yeah. if there's another culture that, that even splits it up that way, where it's like specific, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to the grandparents or to the uncles or, or aunties. So yeah. it's really cool that, you know, we just have this, this sense of hospitality, this sense of mm-hmm. um, of being together, um, just a sense of like helping each other. I, I just love that about about Hmong culture and Hmong people. And mm-hmm. and unfortunately, we've kept that in the church. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it, it's a part of the DNA of the Hmong church. This this aspects of hospitality. Yeah, you know, um, it's talking about hospitality and there's that triple portion. I have this quick memory that came up when I. <laughs> went to my one of my um friend's house who was white and they're having a barbecue in the back and they're like you know are, are you guys coming and then there was like four of us coming and when we got there they made um, four burgers mm. and um <laughs> i i was uh I, I didn't know what if i should eat this all right, right now right. or not or like it, yeah. it was i i felt out of place i was like if I eat all this, like, yeah. is this, I don't, it just, it was this weird experience where I got there. Um, I thought there's going to be like maybe three portions. Yeah. Right. And right. then so yeah. <laughs> that was just a, a memory that just popped up when uh, right. you said three portions and yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness. This. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah that, when, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> when when Linda and I left the Hmong church and we, we started yeah. going to a English speaking, um, you know, church here, they had a the church had a potluck. Yeah. So Linda's like frantic, you know, she's thinking like, I got to make enough food to feed 150 people. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's a potluck. We just bring one dish. Yeah. But even that, like, again, like we're second gen, yeah. you know, but we still have that mentality of our right, parents. Like, right. I got to feed everybody. <laughs> so as we're talking about hospitality for our listeners here, I'm curious how you guys would connect this to the Christian faith. Yeah, I think inviting in people and welcoming the stranger, it's, it's super biblical. I mean, mm-hmm. Going back from the Old Testament, um, you know, 
just in, inviting in their stranger, their sojourner. I think that is such a Judeo-Christian message and that Hmong people, like we just do this so well, uh, just inviting people in into our homes and making them feel like family. I think it, I think it a true example of love, of sacrifice, of putting others before yourself, you know, the golden rule. Mm. Um, yeah, I think there are many biblical implications with hospitality. I, uh, you know, I have this experience when I think about this is that I realize the approach to evangelism and growing up um, in the Hmong church, you know, and I think it's also highly influenced by the Western culture. We were taught to almost, I feel like shove the gospel down people's throat and, and intellectually convert them. Right. Unfortunately. Yes. And, um, and the embarrassing thing that I've, I've tried that in my life mm-hmm. growing up. And mm-hmm. I realized that that doesn't win people to Christ. You know, mm-hmm. um, I realized that for me, the times where I have brought most people to Christ mm-hmm. was when I just loved people. Yeah. Like when I just sat down and say, hey, you know what? I don't have any reservations. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to love you for who you are because that's what I'm called to do mm-hmm. um, is to just love people and treat you as a human human being mm-hmm. and and i have brought people to christ through that means yeah that's awesome. and so um how does that hospitality affect the gospel i mean it's our approach like mm-hmm. that's why i do not try to shove the gospel down anybody's throat mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and just say hey you know what we're i'm going to be by your side and help mm-hmm. you through do life with you that's my whole my whole journey is i'm gonna do life with you because mm-hmm. you deserve to be treated like a human being. Another thing that I want to say about the Hmong church that has affirmed is my cultural sense of Hmongness. Um, like I stated before, it was very difficult for me to grow up during this time in St. Paul and just kind of feeling like an outsider. Mm-hmm. But in the Hmong church, it helped me understand that, well, here, here's what my observation. Mm-hmm. Here's Hmong, there's Hmong people like me who are okay with being Hmong and Christian, and they still mm-hmm. affirm Hmong. And these are my elders, right? Right. And and I'm like, if they can be Hmong and be Christian, then I should be able to be Hmong and Christian too. Mm-hmm. But why are other people in my community, my you know, in my community, was telling me that I'm less Hmong? Right. And so, um, so being in the Hmong community and seeing these leaders, you know, being bold as they are, and with all the challenges they had in their community with you know their clan their family as well to um being christian and still being Hmong. and and like i don't think they ever had a problem of of like i'm not less Hmong, right mm-hmm. um but i was dealing with that that's the message that was coming to me mm-hmm. and so it was so being in part of that community hearing uh, and seeing these elders not having a, a rocky foundation at all mm-hmm. or questioning their identity as Hmong. Like they knew they were Hmong. Yeah, they kind like, of modeled something for you. Yeah, they modeled yeah. something very important for me. Yeah. So, Yeah, I, that sounds like a huge gift, Paul, um, to be able to have your Hmong ethnic identity affirmed in the church and just from an early, st- or at some point early in your life, uh, being, you know, given the, the message that your Hmong identity is welcomed here also with your faith. Is just I think such a huge gift, yeah. yeah. And also, like I think, it was, as if we think about it, you know, Hmong people we're nomadic, and so we're 
adapting, adopting、um, other cultures into our, in, you know, in, into what it is to be Hmong. And there are practice. There are like Laotian practices that we've adopted. There's American practices that we've adopted.、Mm-hmm. But all those things get incorporated into what it is to be Hmong. Like you know, being Hmong <laughs> isn't like this this static,、uh, rigid with these like very you know tight frames around it. it it's flexible. There's、right. there there's growth there. There's、um, it can progress. It can. You know, things can added to it. Things can be taken away from it, but it doesn't change. You know, us being Hmong, and I think sometimes people have this definition of what it is to be Hmong, and they'll lay that on us, or they'll, you know, force it or project it onto us. Like, hey, Hmong is this, and when you don't fit those definitions or those categories, you feel less Hmong. Right. You know, I I remember growing up too.、Um, I didn't speak Hmong、uh, very well. Like, I didn't pronounce words、uh, very well. Uh, only in you know my early twenties I started to really like hey I'm gonna really work on this but、mm-hmm. I remember being a teenager and being hesitant to speak Hmong around my Hmong peers because you know I, they made fun of me for you know mispronouncing things or、mm-hmm. I remember I couldn't say、uh, fat you know <laughs> yeah、uh, you know, the the word the, like draw like I would like aspiration yeah I, I would always say draw wrong I, I forget what I used to say I think I said draw I forget what I said <laughs>、yeah. but I remember one of my、uh, friends was like. Are you talking about the、uh, monster that can't bend its knees?、Uh, I think I, I think most people. I feel I feel most people even call that the jaw or something like that. But because、yeah. I was saying jaw wrong, you know,、yeah. and so、yeah. just those, you know, moments of of being criticized. It's like, oh, I don't want to speak Hmong then, you know,、yeah. because it's scary. But that's how they defined it, you know, like、mm. being being Hmong is like speaking Hmong, eating Hmong, looking Hmong, and they're defining it that way. And and then when you come to understand it, like no, being Hmong is. Is is、um, much more than that.、Uh, it's not. It's not these ancillary pieces that makes me Hmong. So it, I'm glad you had that experience. I'm glad you had yeah, that. Yeah. You know that reflection、yeah. to to go by and to see modeled from your from your、yeah. elders. It was it was、uh, definitely a a gift when I look back.、So. Mm. Thank you guys for listening. Remember to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast.